the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Hey, and welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Gosh, you know, you got to show up on the good days. You got to show up on the bad things. Um, it's brutal to say that. I know it's probably less fun to hear it than it is to say it. Um, it's no fun whatsoever. In the middle of the night, there's a flu bug going around. So I found myself watching international markets. And obviously yesterday after the market, well, you start with the market, right? So you get up at 5 a.m. and you start doing your homework, 4.30, and uh, you take a look at international markets, take a look at how we're going to open, because it's already at that point in time, 7.30 on East Coast time. And so you start taking a look at the, the German DAX or the FTSE or the Nikkei, and you just see you know big big numbers. Now, they're not awful numbers, because you also should look at the percentages, but stocks extend this week's retreat following a strong start to 2018 in the month of April. Um, April, January. Um, Apple, Alphabet tumbling following earnings. Amazon rallies to new all-time high. Yields continue to rise. Ten-year Treasury touches the highest mark since January 2014. I think that's the story. I think that's the story. I think uh, the earnings are there, but... The earnings, when put on top of the valuations of the rally, after the rally, things are perfect. And in the past, things were, were like, oh, it's not the best job economy. It's not the best economy. Earnings are okay. We've got the tax reform. Let's rally higher. I think, you know, there's a lackluster response going on right now because so good for so long. And it's, we went down 3% last year. Usually you go down 5% two or three, three or four times. So you can't blame Amazon. You really can't blame Apple because they started off strong today and then they went weaker. Um, but the increase in market rates, it, everything's going to cost more money. And when it costs more money, it's a lot like those tax cuts. You know, when, when you pay less taxes, you have more money, right? That's the idea. 
but also when you have higher interest rates, everything costs more. Housing costs more. And when housing costs more, housing prices tend to fall. In large part, what's this all about? In large part, when interest rates move higher, everything costs more, mortgage rates go higher, you have less money. It's kind of a bit of a disease. So interest rates are moving higher because the jobs number today was pretty good. Uh, the inability to sustain large gains yesterday is driving contentions that a near top <clears throat> has been reached for a period of time. We will hit all-time highs again. I don't know when. It may be 10 days, which would be like, whoa. It may be 100 days, which would be like double whoa. It may be 1,000 days, which would be like buying opportunity, right? Um, I'm not saying we're not going to rally by the end of the day because we've been buying on the dips for a long time. I'm saying that historically this isn't how Wall Street behaves. So Dow components Chevron and Exxon Mobil are both down after reporting their earnings result. Visa's down. Merck's a little changed. I have a lot of cash right now, and I've been building it up recently. It might get more interesting for me. So the the, uh, 10-year treasury has stretched to 2.83% while the yield on the 30-year bonds up to 3.05%. The two-year note yield of 2.18% is 30 basis points higher than the S&P 500 dividend yield. So the two-year note, 30 basis points isn't much. 30 basis points is one-third of 1%. But now it's starting to pay you money to park money in a two-year treasury note if you think markets are overvalued. So versus parking money in the S&P 500. Now, again, the S&P 500 is going to have some high increases in dividends because of all that repatriation of cash. But as the market rates go up, the competitive headwind they pose for highly valued stocks does as well, is the bottom line here. Rising rates promise to introduce increased trading volatility as equity investors start saying, you know what, I, can get, I could park money in that two-year treasury. I'm good with that. Because I think the markets are a little overvalued. And if the markets come down in value, you could say, I'm going to sell that. I'm going to put more money in something else, maybe stocks again. The January employment situation report has not helped the interest rate narrative today. Nope. Job growth was solid again, but the focal point was the three-tenths of 1% jump in average hourly earnings. That was in line with expectations. But when you take you know revisions into account, which you kind of have to do with economic data, it left average hourly earnings up 2.9% year over year. Highest growth rate since May 2009. Now, for you, that's good. Inflation's been about between 2 to 4% each year for the last 75 years. So you need your wages to go up between 2 to 4% per year. And for years and years and years, it didn't. Last year, it did. 2.9%. But your rents probably went up. Your cost of your automobiles, maybe sideways, but... Cost of food, slightly down. Cost of clothing, slightly down. Again, this all depends on what you're eating. Like If you're eating avocados, you're probably, oh, poor. But there's this big assumption right now that the strengthened economy and the tight labor market are going to invite higher wages and wage-based inflation pressures that have been dormant for years. The key takeaway right now is the January report has given some database life to the assumption that the Federal Reserve um, to move ahead with the rate hike at its March meeting. And again, this year's flying by already, right? January's gone. Rising wages are good for the economy. I'm not saying that they're not, but what's good for the economy is not always good for the stock market. Uh, It drives up rate hike expectations and it saps earnings. And we're not getting, you know, it's, it's great if you have earnings increases, 
or wage increases. Um, because earnings could figure it out for a corporation through productivity, but our productivity is not the best. January non-farm payrolls increased 200,000 over the past three months. Job gains have averaged about 192,000. Um, that's a good number. Um, the average hourly earnings were up three-tenths of a percent after increasing an upwardly four-tenths of a percent in December. Over the last 12 months, they're up 2.9%. Um, average work week in January was 34.3 hours. Uh, versus 34.5 hours in December. Labor force participation was 62.7% in January, same thing in December. But stocks worldwide are getting schwacked on higher interest rates. And it's fu- it's weird for me to look at. It's weird for me to say. You know, we went from like 24,000, 25,000, 26,000 pretty darn fast. So today we're back down and under 26,000. No need to panic. We're still having a great year. But it's starting to feel like we may have our first correction. We may have our first pullback. Now, again, I don't know. Um, I don't try. I'm not in the business of, of guessing this market. I'm in the business of getting you to retirement. Trump's attacked the FBI and Justice Department as the war over the memo. The memo and the Russia investigation heat up. That's out there. What's going to happen this weekend? Oh, Father of three victims of Larry Nasser, he lunged at a disgraced doctor in the courtroom. Oh, <laughs> right? Like, can I find one good headline? How about this one? Bitcoin at 8,000. Market of Bitcoin has lost $120 billion in 24 hours. I feel bad for the people that got in at 17,000. But I've always been saying, and I'm trying to say right now, there's no way to analyze this. Now, yes, there will be an alternative to gold at some point in time, but gold has something going in its favor. It's real. Cryptocurrency... It's a blockchain technology that it's not real and it's not accepted anywhere yet. Yet. Will it be when announcements start happening? That's when you can start analyzing it a little bit better. Bitcoin fell to about $7,700 a coin on Friday, losing 15% before round, rebounding above 8000 9000 was supposed to be the bottom, but that was yesterday. Okay. I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. The Friday Ice Report. Friday Ice Report. Old time hockey. Like it is short. Yeah. yeah. Your San Jose Barracuda hockey updates. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and stop the clock. Hockey. Been a while. Nick Nolenberger, San Jose Barracuda, AM twelve twenty KDOW's voice of the Barracuda. How are you, Nick? I'm great, Rob. What's going on? Um, New Year. How's uh, the hockey rolling out? It's uh, been a while since we've talked. You've been on the road for quite a while. Yeah, we've been on the road. I, yeah, we just haven't, for whatever reason, just haven't been uh, able to connect. But certainly good to be back on with you. Just chug along. Just had the All Star break, so we had a couple guys uh, representing um, at the at the All Star Classic in Utica, Utica, New York, earlier this week, and uh, it's kind of uh, what uh, our head coach Roy Sommer uh, called is what the dog days of the year. It's, this is kind of where you make your money. If it, if you don't start winning games in bunches this time of year, you're not going to make the playoffs. So we've got 28 games to go, and it's that final stretch and trying to make a push into the postseason. It's a fun time in hockey because uh, whether it's the NHL or the AHL, 
you want your team to in the playoffs because playoff hockey is exciting. And so when you win the following night when you're not playing, you're looking at the standings and you're like, okay, which team do I want to lose? Which team do I want to win? It's fun, and I grew up that way, and it probably gave me a better understanding of math. Uh, right now, it looks like the Barracuda are on the outside looking in, so they're going to need some help, but they're also going to need to put together a win streak. Um, do they have the players to do it, Nick? Well, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting coming down the stretch because there's a few things that go into it. First of all, in the Pacific Division of the American Hockey League, there's eight teams. Well, two of the eight teams, the two Texas teams, they play a 76 game schedule. We play a 68 game schedule, so you, you can't just factor in simply points. How how it would work in the NHL? We have to use winning percentage. So um, it is a log jam right now. I think we're at a uh, 538 winning percentage, so we're above 500. You win a couple games. And all of a sudden, you just kind of jump up the charts because it's it's so you know clogged together. Um, it, it's definitely going to be interesting. I think we've got a really young team. There's some guys that are starting to kind of get their groove. Um, but uh, we had two guys go up back up to the NHL, Marcus Sorensen and Danny O'Regan last week. Those are two big guys that are, you know, are felt when they're not in the lineup. And then our captain, John McCarthy, I don't know if you heard, but uh, he was selected to the United States men's ice hockey team, and he'll be representing them uh, in South Korea. It's starting in about a week and a half he'll be leaving. So he'll be gone as well. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to take, uh, you know, a village to, to continue on the trend upward and win hockey games. But um, certainly there's been flashes of some young guys that show that they can step up and, and produce and it's gonna be fun though um i don't I don't think anybody knows how this next month is gonna go i'm gonna be giving away some tickets to the february 14th game of love against tucson roadrunners at the end of our segment but again taking a look at the team they're younger this year but they've also been a victim of call-ups to the nhl their success last year created a lot of nhl caliber players and the sharks are, are grabbing them so that's always going to be an interesting situation for the Barracuda. As they succeed, they kind of lose by winning. It's kind of a, a tough scenario, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it certainly is. You can ask uh, our head coach, Roy Sommer. This is 20th year in the American Hockey League. He has more wins than anybody in the league. It's an 82-year-old league, so just gives an idea of how long he's been around. And he knows he knows it better than anybody else. There's a catch-22. You want to see guys develop, and you want to see guys fulfill their their childhood dreams getting calls up call-ups and, and opportunities in the nhl but when your best player gets taken out from uh, under you a bit i guess uh it, it can obviously be just human nature a, a little bit disappointing but that's just the nature of the beast you have one guy go up and it's it's a next man up type mentality you guys have to step into those roles and it gives young guys opportunities to, you know, feel the pressure in certain situations, whether it's the power play or the PK. Um, opportunities at this stage in their career they wouldn't get in the NHL. Um, you know, you go up to the NHL, some of these guys are went from a top power play guy to, to fourth-line grinder. So um, it, it's great opportunities for other guys when, when guys get that call. But, yeah, you mentioned it. I mean, the team last year, you have seven guys up in the NHL from last year's team. I mean, that's that's nearly unheard of to have that many guys be up from a season ago so just shows how good the team was last year but it also shows you know the depth for the sharks in terms of some of their young prospects able to fill the roster again this year and have some guys who you know are knocking at the door to make the that leap themselves so i think the biggest loss for the barracuda came on the defense with the goalie who got called up aaron dell he played a great campaign last year with the barracuda in the playoffs uh took him pretty deep got a little injured. Troy Groshnik has stepped in. Is Groshnik able to carry this team at this point in time? Because it's been kind of yeah, an up-and-down season. 
So, so for Deller, for Deller, Deller's big year was two years ago in the first season in San Jose is really when he made his mark. Last year he was up in the NHL the whole time backing up uh, Martin Jones. So last year it was all gross. Like he was actually named the, the, the league's goalie of the year. So he, he had a, a banner season. This year he was a little dinged up. Um, actually just got sent back down from the Sharks uh, with some injuries up at the NH- with the NHL club. So um, it's been a by committee. We have a new guy in by the name of Antoine Bebo that was signed as a free agent. He actually uh, made the all-star team. He's top 10 in both uh, goals against and save percentage in the league. So um, it, it's just a testament to the depth for the for the Sharks as an organization as a whole that you've got four guys, whether it's Martin Jones, Aaron Dell, Antoine Bebo, or Troy Grosnick, that are guys that contribute that can contribute at the next level, especially Martin Jones, who's a perennial all-star every year. But, um, yeah, certainly some depth at what is considered the most important position. You have a goalie in hockey and you're, mm-hmm. you're – you're uh, treading water and not going to have very much success. So certainly uh, nice to have that depth in the organization. The most intriguing Barracuda to me, and again, I'm very amateur hack at this, uh, at the start of the season was Philip Sandberg. He seems like he's going to be a perfect NHL player. How soon until he's ready for the step up, and how's he doing this year for the Barracuda? Yeah, Philip has been another nice addition from, uh, he came over from the Swedish Hockey League. A league the Sharks have had a, a lot of success plucking players from, whether it was Tim Heat or Marcus Sorensen, those guys they were able to sign as free agents. So you don't got to give anything up for them, and they have come in and, and kind of made that leap. For, for Philip Sandberg, a couple injuries uh, in the early going of the season, so I think he's still kind of figuring it out. The biggest thing for these Europeans when they come over is they actually play on a bigger sheet of ice. When they're in Europe, they come to to North America, and all of a sudden everything gets a little more congested when you play on a smaller smaller rink. So it takes a little bit of adjustment from a physical standpoint. I think once he gets his stride in terms of his health, because he, he sat out for a bit, uh, he's going to continue to you know kind of knock at that door. I would think Philip is probably a year away um, from from making that jump. There's some guys that are in front of him, but certainly an intriguing player. Um, brought in again as a free agent and and uh, making his impact uh, from Europe. I'm going to be giving away tickets at the end of this segment. We're almost out of time. I do want to push the game. It's Wednesday, Wednesday, the day of love, February 14th, 7 o'clock. Get tick, four tickets, two pairs of two, but or four four tickets. Take a family. It's a wonderful home event, Tucson Roadrunners, 7 o'clock, uh, San Jose, SAP Arena. Unbelievable facility to see a game in. Uh, any last thoughts from you? And I'll, let me push the number again, 800-516-1220. If anyone wants those four tickets for the Tucson Roadrunners, February 14th, 800-516-1220. Any last thoughts from you? Uh, we play uh, back home tomorrow. So we've, we've got our road trip wraps up tonight here in Stockton, and then we have a home and road. So we'll get the heat tomorrow at home. And first time in about three weeks since we're back at SAP Center. So we hope to see everybody out there. That would be great. And I should do, I should mention that because uh, I'm giving away tickets for three games from now. But before we get there, you've got uh, a couple games to go through. More than that, you've got four games to go through. The Stock and Heat tonight. But then Monday, February 5, you're going to be at home against the Tucson Roadrunners. Saturday, February 10th against the San Diego Goals. I gave away those tickets already. Sunday, February 11th against the San Diego Goals. Those are afternooners. Those are unbelievable weekend prize tickets. Call the show 800-516-1220 to get tickets for the February 14th Tucson Roadrunners game. SJBarracuda.com Oh, here we go. I can hear your pulse racing from here. Sitting next to this gun beat your heart in your mouth. Oh!
making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. How you feel about a correction happening? A pullback? Not at a 52-week high. Problem or no problem? And by the way, we had a winner out of San Jose for the San Jose Barracuda tickets. And so good hearing from Nick Nolenberger again. It's been such a long time. He's a good guy. He's one of those people uh, you kind of glom onto. So Amazon yesterday reports their earnings. And I'm telling you, it's a sexy time. Especially for Amazon. And I'm telling you, this guy's a Bond villain one day. Hopefully he doesn't lose his mind because he made $6.5 billion yesterday for doing nothing other than reporting mm, pretty good quarter. His net worth this year has already risen $17.4 billion in January, $6.5 billion plus yesterday. He will see his wealth hit $123 billion. He, he blew by Warren Buffett. He blew by Bill Gates. He blew by Carlos Slim Hallou. And he kept on running. But you don't care about that, do you? Probably not. You're probably thinking like, hmm, what about me and my portfolio? Well, after the first hour, the markets are kind of moving sideways. We're down about 1% on all the markets. Not too bad, right? Or is it? Bank of America has issued their strongest selling indicator after weeks of overextended conditions. They've been talking about it. And now they're stepping up and screaming about it. Is this what's going to cause you to sell or diversify? Or is this going to cause you to put some of that cash that's been sitting on the sidelines to, to work? The firm's chief investment strategist, Michael Hartnett, has repeatedly warned against investor overconfidence, which he says left the market vulnerable for a downturn. Where else did we see that recently? Bitcoin, right? Uh, Bitcoin marched, 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 marched higher in a much faster pa- fashion. And then it fat crashed Pretty much in the last week. Now, will it bounce right back? Some people think so. Will the stock market bounce right back? Some people think so. Some people don't. So the S&P 500 is on pace to finish the week with a loss of almost 3%. How about them apples? The market's difficult week is proving to be the culmination of a series of bearish warnings from Bank America, Merrill Lynch's chief investment strategist. For months, he sounded that alarm on what's called the Icarus trade, which is the... Dad, Dad, I wish I could fly. And Dad's like, oh, okay, I'm going to pick up feathers and I'm going to melt wax on them and make wings myself. I could fly, I could fly, I could fly. I'm going to go higher and I'm going to go higher and I'm going to go higher. And whoops, I kind of forgot that sun can melt wax. Got too close, the sun comes tumbling down. Overconfident. I know you're saying, I haven't heard that Icarus story <laughs> summed up in 30 seconds or less ever. And with Rob Black's famous singing voice, uh, the rough patch also perfectly coincides right now with Bank of America Merrill Lynch market indicator issuing its strongest sell signal to date. It hit an 8.6 out of 10 this week. February 16 was at a zero. January 17, 2017 was at a 2.8. Today, it's at an 8.6. So this indicator was a buying opportunity back in 2016, 2017. And finally, it just kind of went off the hooks. And it looks like it's, it's we'll see where it lands in the next couple of days, because maybe that'll give it, you know, the pause that refreshes. Bull and bear gauge is finally flashing a firm sell signal. 
that in the bull and bear gauge, when I remember about it 20 years ago, they would call firms and say, okay, Rob, you, you, you manage, you know, $100 million, you manage $10 million, you manage $50 million. We're going to, you know, write down questions, uh, your answers to your questions. Right now, do you think it's a good time to be a small investor? Right now, do you think it's a good time to be a, a big investor? Right now, do you think it's a good time to be an institutional investor? Right now, do you think it's, we should be raising cash? And, you know, I would answer yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. Long story short, if you get 85, 90% of people saying yes, then you're, you're due for a surprise. You know, see, like, you're kind of like, everyone's tipping the boat forward. Everyone sees great things. Now, that doesn't always work. It doesn't always work. Man, the news out there today, crypto coin, Bitcoin at 8,000, market loses 120 billion in 24 hours. That's fascinating to me. Uh, what else is out there? Bezos fortune jumped six and a half billion dollars in hours after hitting a, a home run. Hosting the Super Bowl. Good idea, bad idea. Or would you rather host Amazon's HQ too? You've heard about this, right? Amazon's pulled cities and said, we're going to build a second big campus because we can't fit any more people in Seattle. And we promise to bring jobs and economic boom. And the NFL, they target their biggest game of the year, and they say, what city wants us? We're going to bring people to your town. We're going to bring visitors to your town. And like Minneapolis, who the heck wants to visit Minneapolis? Right? Not I, said the little pig. So the NFL, how much impact will the NFL's game have? How much infrastructure do they have to throw in? Um. It doesn't generate a huge economic windfall. And the thing with HQ2 out of Amazon is how much does the city have to give up? And how much do they hurt the rest of their citizens by jacking up real estate prices? Amazon refutes a lot of the findings and studies that say um, it's not the greatest idea to build fulfillment centers in your town. So um, a lot of arguments out there, right? So one of the companies you're probably dying to hear me talk about is Apple. Apple reported numbers last night. They're down today about 2%. It's changing. At one point this morning, they were up 4%. But um, Tim Cook, on the earnings call last night, he refused to talk about Android switchers. He always talks about people giving up on the Android platform and switch to Apple. That's telling you something, Right iPhone sales have gone into decline despite the launch of the iPhone 10. Apple showed revenue growth only because of the high price of the iPhone 10. This signals danger for Apple. It's, it's charging more in a shrinking universe for a product that may no longer be observably better. Um, I like my Apple ecosystem, but at some point in time, I'm not paying $1,000 for a phone or $800 for a phone or $600 for a phone. Now, what I don't like is Google's phones are cheaper, but then Google's phone wants you to use Maps and Google uh, and Gmail, and they're serving ads to you. I kind of like the cleanness of Apple, but I can be bought. At what point, though? It's so early on the product cycle, particularly with iPhone 10, only starting in November. This is what Cook said, that we do not feel we have data at this point that could be very meaningful to share. So when he was asked the question on the switchers in the quarter, he said, I'll take a punt. Hmm. It's embarrassing because in the past he didn't take said punt. 
with new phones. So there's no doubt they had a great quarter on so many levels. But is the gig up in the future? Because I've said it once, I'll say it again. Wall Street's not about, you know, what happened last year. Wall Street's about what's happening in the next six months, in my opinion. And again, we could argue that, but that's my opinion. So um, taking a look at Apple's strong culture, people who got the HomePod, that's the new speaker for Apple. It competes with Google's speaker. It competes with Siri's Alexa. Alexa's going to have her own commercial during the Super Bowl. I won't spoil it for you for those who don't want spoilers, but her voice gets cracked. Um, the people who bought the HomePod in its first week, it's interesting. 92% were males. Apple enthusiasts are predominantly male of who's going to get the product first day it comes out. And it's it's interesting because 74% of them had not purchased another voice assistant, i.e. waiting for Apple speaker. It's interesting for me. Um, let's see, what else do I need to hit? Um, I want to hit a little bit on Amazon. Not a lot, but a little bit. And I'm going to try to hit a little bit. Uh, Sony CEO stepping down, but he's stepping down at a high. And he's stepping down as Sony went through just an awful, awful 2000 to 2012. Just an awful 12-year period. He came in, kind of turned him around. Um, that's an interesting note to me. So it, sometimes when a leader leads, sometimes he just wants to go home to his wife and kids. Um, he's not being pushed out. So Amazon, $60 billion in revenue, 60.5 in the last 90 days. Amazon Web Services, $5.1 billion. So extrapolate that. Their web services are worth $20 billion plus a year in growing. Earnings per share, $3.75. Analysts were expecting a buck eighty-three, but they got a big windfall related to the new tax law. Without that benefit, they would have been they would have beat one eighty-three, but not by that much. Um, they talked about future revenue for the first quarter. Um, they guided up, so from thirty-five billion last year to forty-seven to fifty billion this year in the next uh, in the first ninety days of the year. So income they expect to be higher. Companies' result, results showed that their web services are helping them, um, and they continue to operate at a high level, even though they bought Whole Foods, and the reviews are that Whole Foods is not what it used to be, right? You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show. Coming up, I'm going to talk a, a little bit about real estate and more about the markets. and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. 
Investing in more um, stocks that you can buy. I'm always interested in this that are raising their dividends. Um, it's one of the criteria that financial advisors look for because in good times and bad times you get that dividend. Rising earning estimates often augur well for a company. As they earn more money, they say we're going to pay you more money. Do you see how it kind of works together? Now, unfortunately, this has been a problem because everyone started to figure this out. The market's taken notice of big companies with big payouts. Um, and they sport a one-year total return of about 43% compared to 26% for the S&P 500. Now, the S&P 500, that's not shabby. But big tech giants like Cisco and Texas Instruments top lists when you do a quant numeric search for companies who have increased their dividends since six months ago. Uh, Cisco is the sultan of switches, the ruler of routers, and other building blocks of the Internet. It's now expected to pay a dividend of a buck twenty. That's up 13% from earlier estimates. Now, that's pretty good. Good time, bad time, they pay a buck twenty for each share that you own. And if they do that with one share, then they do 30 cents four times the year. Usually, some companies do it monthly, some companies do it annually, some companies do what have you. And you're going to see a lot of companies raise their dividends, and that's going to be a catalyst to give some support to the market. And companies like Apple, who do big buybacks, they like it when the market pulls big time back. But we're talking about companies that are upping their dividend. I think it's something you should look at. And if you're bored, Google companies that are up, upping their dividend. <laughs> Google still works, you know. Although I find myself playing with different uh, search engines from time to time. Other companies with rising dividends other than just uh, Cisco and Texas Instruments. I like Texas Instruments, by the way. You know why I like Texas Instruments? Because no one t- ever talks about Texas Instruments. Um, Oracle, they've upped their dividend a lot in the last six months, as has Bank of America, Citigroup, Wells Fargo, and J.P. Morgan Chase. This is a list of stocks that I have on a shopping list. Union Pacific, what do they make? They don't make anything. They're a choo-choo train company, and they basically dominate an area of the country that they, that, you know, it's tough to serve. It's tough to compete with a train company. Guess what? I want to come up with a flying car to move goods around. I like trains over trucks because one trucker makes $100,000, $120,000 a year. One train conductor does the same. The difference is the trucker can pull maybe two truckloads at a time. Whereas a train can pull a hundred truckloads at a time. So I like Comcast for their dividend. I hate them for their business model. So that one I stay away from because I build cases on flags. Wells Fargo, no one likes them. They ripped off customers. They opened fraudulent accounts. That doesn't bother me because our government tends to slap the wrists of banks. And uh, in a rising interest rate environment, banks are going to be good. Good, good, good. Bank of America, Citigroup, Wells Fargo, J.P. Morgan Chase. Um, Throw my cards out there for you, ladies and gentlemen. Are you listening? Also, I like healthcare companies. AbbVie, they make the blockbuster blockbuster drug Humira. And United Health, which is a a player on health insurance, which, trust me, um, I've got awful healthcare. 
and I've, it's great healthcare, but it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like it covers what I want it to cover. Uh, Real Estate Investment Trust is raising its quarterly dividend, uh, Simon Property uh, Group. So they make my list of I like you a lot. So from Dumb and Dumber, um, I don't know. Could that movie be made today? Is it politically correct or not? Uh, they don't say they're, they don't say they're, they don't say they're challenged. They don't say that they've got learning disabilities. They just make them really dumb, which I guess that does exist out there, right? Fox made a big bet on buying five years of Thursday night football. And could they be the big winner in TV sports? Because they're kind of late, not, not, yeah, yeah, they're kind of late to the game. Fox Sports 1 and everything compared to ESPN. And ESPN built this big wall, and Fox built a very small wall, so the expectations were very low. So Fox, owned by 21st Century Fox, agreed to sell its regional sports networks, which broadcast local games to ESPN. That'll be interesting to see how that turns out. Their sports properties are going to be Sunday afternoon football, Thursday in, uh, football, including Super Bowls every third year, Major League Baseball including the World Series, lots of comprehensive local markets like Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, college, lots of NCAA, including Big Ten soccer, um, MMA. So Fox Sports Go, obviously a streaming service. Uh, ESPN is going to get into a streaming service in 2018 or 2019. Let's give them a little bit of time to figure it out. They, they're going to get into it. Will it be a real competitor to Netflix? Good question. Very good question. Um, stay with me in the days to come, in the weeks to come, in the years to come. You can always find me on iTunes under Rob Black and Your Money, Rob Black and Your Money, on Facebook, Rob Black. Um, I hate Rob Black. I hate Rob Black. And that's my Facebook page. And on, I have Cron for Rob Black. Um, check me out online. You can find me at Rob Black Show, Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Um, have a plan. Have an agenda. Good economies, bad economies, good stock markets, bad stock markets. Remember, when you have a good economy, a great economy, it tends to portend bad things down the road for the stock market and vice versa. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Find me at robblackshow.com. and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn 
Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.